The retroencabulator has now reached a high level of development, and it's being successfully used in the operation of Milford Trunnions. It's available soon, wherever Rockwell Automation products are sold. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, hey, welcome to episode 66. And I'm going to be honest, this podcast may have peaked today because we're going to hear the oral history of the retroencabulator on this episode. We're going to be speaking with Mike Kraft, a longtime voice talent in the industrial space and beyond. But you probably know him from the infamous viral Technobabble video about the retroencabulator. This was released decades ago, and it's ultimately a way to spoof technical jargon. So if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you go to Google and search Retro Encabulator. It will definitely show up, or you can head over to our show notes at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 66. Again, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend checking it out before you start this episode. But just so you know what to expect from today's show, there are essentially two things. One, we're going to hear the history of the Retro Encabulator. We're going to hear a bit about Mike's background during this part and what ultimately inspired this video. We'll hear about his history as to how he got into voice acting and acting in general, how he got aligned with a number of these large companies doing their technical videos and presentations, and finally, what inspired the Retro Encabulator video. The next thing I'll say is that this episode is full of good stories and surprises, so just get ready for an enjoyable episode that might be outside of the norm of what we normally do here on the show. As I mentioned, you'll definitely want to head over to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 66 to access videos from this episode as well as information on the retro encabulator. There's a, there's a surprising amount of stuff out there around this topic. And if you really like this episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. It'll take you right where you need to be, either on your iPhone or on your desktop. And that review does not need to be long at all. It can just be a couple sentences being like, yo, love the retro encabulator. Love that you talked about it on Manufacturing Happy Hour. Simple as that. Anyway, manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. And with that, we want to get into this episode so we can ask all the tough questions around the retro encabulator. So, Mike, before I ask you the first question, as I was doing my research for this, I had completely forgotten about a, a retro encabulator fact. And I'm not sure if you know this. There's a brewery in uh, Cleveland, Ohio called Great Lakes Brewing that has a retro-encabulator IPA as Get part out. of their repertoire. Yeah, I, a sales manager at Rockwell Automation had told me about it like three years ago. I'm going to need to find it, but yeah, there's there's a straight-up retro-encabulator IPA. Do you think they're currently selling this? I don't know if they're currently selling it. I'll, uh, I'll take a look on the web later in the interview to see if it's still there, but I know at one point they uh, they had it. I think at some point somebody would have brought that to my attention. Before you, anyway. <laughs> well, sure, sure. I mean, I live here, so I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm amazed. I'm surprised. I'm flummoxed. 
well, I'll, I'll I'll look into that a little bit later. But in manufacturing happy hour fashion, I had to start with a beer reference, and I couldn't uh, I couldn't pick a more appropriate okay. one. All right, well, I have so, to go on the hunt. Well, as you're on the hunt, you know, let's say we're we're kicking it at Great Lakes Brewing and we're having a conversation. And I, I the first question I have to ask you, Mike, and I think this might be basics for a lot of people, but we just got to hear it from you. Is the retro encabulator video a joke? The video itself is not a joke. The retro encabulator is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Great way to answer that. I know. I, I feel like the most common conversation I have with people about it, they're like, I can't tell if it's real or not. I don't know if it's like something they actually did. So I know that, you know that. I think most of the automation world knows that. But for anyone out there that's still curious, hopefully we got that answered for them today. I am always amazed at the people who don't know that it's a joke. It's like, are you serious? Sure. Seriously, you don't know that. I mean, listen to the words that are being said. <laughs> the, yeah. If you have any command of English at all, you know those are made up words. Absolutely. Well, I've got some questions about those made up words as, as we get later into the interview. But first, before we get there, I want to get a bit of, of your background because before the retro encabulator video, you were doing a lot of industrial training and safety videos for yeah. a lot of industrial companies. Can you tell me how you got into that just so we've got a bit on your background? Okay. I'm going to try and make this as tight as possible. But essentially, I was a plumber. And then I was a carpenter and then I started working in a theater building sets and then their tech, their tech director left and I sort of took over as tech director and then I saw that the actors were having a good time. So I started acting. Then I got another job as tech director in Lincoln, Nebraska at the Lincoln, Nebraska Community Playhouse where I also was acting and had my favorite year. Um, and I just started getting more and more talent opportunities. So we would get calls at the theaters from people doing conventions saying, hey, we have this uh, dentist convention. Do you have anybody that can do like a half hour of material? And since I was at the theater, I would answer the phone and I would say, yes, we do have someone that can do that. And I would send myself. <laughs> so I started basically doing stand up at these conventions and writing my own material. Wow. And I just sort of grew from there. You know, I started getting, you know, so you started doing auditions and uh, got in the union, uh, after and SAG. And um, once I found out that the narrators were making almost triple what the day players were making, I got myself some suits and ties and started talking uh, like an announcer so that I could get the narrator roles. And that sort of paid off. Wow, this is very entrepreneurial of you. I didn't. Re I was assuming you may have had a background in theater or something along those lines, but you were, you know, through various trade jobs, you got into basically working in the theater, and then yes, through I your have I have no formal training in performance <laughs> whatsoever. That is fantastic. I learned on the job. Well, hey, you've done a fantastic. Fantastic job learning on the job. I think the world knows that by now, at least our our niche industrial automation manufacturing world. Well, you mentioned you had worked with a lot of big names. Tell me how you got connected with Alan Bradley that ultimately led to uh, the video we're discussing today. Well, Alan Bradley had offices in Cleveland, of course, and so they were looking for someone to do the stand-up presentation at their trade shows. Um, and so I just got an audition notice, went and got the job. So they they made me their stand-up guy. And I, geez, I worked for Alan Bradley and then Rockwell for, oh, at least 10 years doing the trade shows. The worst of which, by the way, was the International <laughs> Machine Tool Show at McCormick Place because it was nine days of doing the exact same thing over and over again, sometimes for, for minuscule audiences. It was pure mis. By the third day, it's just, it's just mind-numbing saying the same thing 
every 20 minutes. I can't, you know, I think I heard someone tell me a story about this. One of the older uh, Rockwell folks saying, hey, since no one was there, was like the weather terrible or something like there were a lot. Wasn't there reasons why people weren't showing up to this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a huge snow <laughs> snowstorm. Also, because they scheduled the, the, the show for whatever reason during Super Bowl weekend. And there's a whole nother story about that, about the hospitality suite. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we're far enough away from that that we're not going to get anybody in trouble. But they invited all the clients of the hospitality suite at the McCormick. Beautiful big room. They laid out all top shelf liquor. They had tons of food. And because there was a snowstorm uh, and also because people were watching the, uh, the, the Super Bowl, nobody showed up. Absolutely nobody, not a single client shows up. So it's nothing but Alan Bradley people. And they proceeded to drink all the liquor and then start a food fight. They were literally throwing handfuls of pasta at each other and it's sticking on the, the, the floor to ceiling windows. Um, it was it was like a, it was like a, a, a bunch of rock stars gone wild. Nice, nice. Sounds sounds like a Motley Crew experience. Your your story was much better than the one I had heard. I had just heard the Rockwell folks were starting to mess with you when during the presentations, trying to see if they could trip you All up. The but time. as a professional, you are just unshakable. Correct. Yeah, they would stand in the back, like there'd be people sitting in the seats, and then the Rockwell, the Alan Bradley people in the back, were going <laughs> making faces at me and you know giving me high signs. But uh, for if you're uh, if you're only listening to this on the audio, I just made some funny faces. Yes, yes. This is certainly an animated uh, interview today, and and I wouldn't expect anything less. So, so you were doing trade shows for Alan Bradley. You were yeah. doing this for a long time. So, how did the idea for the retro encabulator video come about? Maybe start with the turbo encabulator that was the inspiration for it, because there's some right, history. The original there too. was the turbo. So, I'm going to give you the brief history of the turbo <laughs> encabulator, which be, which morphed into the retro encabulator. So, the turbo encabulator was uh, uh, this thing that was written by a graduate student in London in 1944, um, and it was put in the what was the name of the publication? Uh, um, his name was J. H. Quick. And they published it in some trade publication. And first of all, why in 1944, they thought it would be a good idea in the middle of World War II to put out this, this piece of humor that was like this, I don't know, beyond me. Nevertheless, flash forward then to 1962, when somebody at GE picks this thing up and they make a uh, technical drawing of the turbo encabulary, turbo encabulator, complete with specifications and ordering and accessories and all the information you need. And then I guess it went fallow for a while, flash forward to the 70s, and a guy named Bud Haggard in Detroit, who was the master technician on the Chrysler Master Tech Training Program, which is still the longest running uh, training program, uh, continuously running training program in the United States now at, I think, 70 some years. Um, he got a hold of this somehow. And then I saw a video of him doing it at a dealer's convention. Um, and he was talking about this new product that Chrysler is coming out with on the, on their engine. It's the turbo encabulator. And of course it went over great, but you know, I saw the video. I was like, this is hysterical. So, and, and I'm going to let a cat out of the bag here in terms of a, a trade secret. Um, because uh, people say, how do you memorize all that? Well, you don't. Um, I have a wireless earpiece that I stick in my ear, an induction neck loop that goes around and then it plugs into a, a recorder or a receiver, depending on the application. So I recorded his audio off of that. And then I was just doing, I was up in Milwaukee at Alan Bradley doing a, uh, a video for some of their products, the Pyramid Integrator, I think it was, um, which was a great name because it's so vague and obscure. Um, <laughs> and so after we got done doing the shoot for their actual product, I told the director, producer, John, John King, um, 
I said, you got to listen to this. So I stick the thing in my ear and I do this. He goes, this is fantastic. Well, we have to put this on tape. I said, okay, let's do it. So we shoot it. And now back in the day, they used to put all these things on VHS cassette to send out to the salespeople because uh, it was, you know, the way they did it then. It was like, this is terrific. We have, we have video we can send out. And so for the December release of their training videos, they would always put in some blooper reel or something funny at the end of it. And they tacked this thing on the end of the December release for the distributors. And so now flash forward, oh gosh, 10, at least 10 years, 12 years. And my son and his friend are in my office at the computer looking at E-Bombs World, which is like the early YouTube. <laughs> and his, his friend says, hey, that looks like your dad. He goes, hey, dad, is, it, is this you? I said, and I'm, I'm astonished because, you know, the internet was new to me at the time. Sure. It's like, how did, how did you get, how did this get here? He said, I don't know. So I have no idea who ultimately posted it to E-Bombs World, but then it made the jump from E-Bombs World to YouTube to Reddit to across the universe. <laughs> um, so that that's how that happened. Yes, you are you are a low-key internet set sensation, I believe would be yes. the right way to describe it. <laughs> I, I have to ask you, you know, I, I came across you when we were at uh, the Mining Expo two weeks ago because mm -hmm. I heard your voice and I'm like, that, that has to be the guy. Do other people recognize you on the street or like at trade shows? Or well, certainly not on the street. Okay. No, you know, um, <laughs> rarely, actually rarely for the retro encabulator. Every once in a while, somebody will say, do you, do you have, are you the guy from, so, uh, but I have had people like trail me in, and this is a true story. Um, I'm just in the grocery store shopping and here comes this guy the other way with his shopping cart and he looks at me funny. He's like, hmm. He goes past, he circles around, he comes past again, he gives me another look. I'm like, what's this guy doing? Circles around again, comes up, he goes, I, I'm sorry, but are you the master tech? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. And I'm relieved that that's what you're doing here because I had no idea what you're doing here. I thought he was stalking me. Rarely do people say, I know you, you're the retro encabulator guy. But once they, sometimes when they find out, they go, that was you, really? So that's mm -hmm. fun. The weight of this fame is very light. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I love that. I'm probably going to quote that from this interview. Um, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I was I was worried you were going to think I was in stalker category at one point because after I got the picture, one of my sales classmates from training back in the day, she was like, you got to get him on your podcast. You got to get him on your podcast. I'm like, I have to go back to his booth and catch him later. So anyway, there's uh yes, I, I am. I am contributing to that lightweight of your fame in, uh, in several regards, but <laughs> it's it's great to have you here. We have to talk a bit of specifics from the retro encabulator video as well, because okay. um, you remember the lines from the video, correct? Most of them, you know, I, some, I, I can probably get through it from memory. Yeah. Is this something yeah. you want me to try doing? I mean, from just may, may, maybe maybe one line or so. I've got some favorite oh, no, lines. I, can, I, gonna, I know I can I'm get gonna... at least halfway in. I can get halfway oh, really? in. Really? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, here we go. Um, right. Work has been proceeding on the crudely conceived idea of a machine that would not only be capable of producing inverse reactive current for unilateral phase detractors, but would also be capable of synchronizing cardinal grammeters. Such a machine is the retroencabulator. The original machine had a base plate of prefabulated amulites surmounted in a malleable logarithmic casing in such a way that the two spurving bearings were in a direct line with a panometric fam. The lineup consisted simply of six hydrocoptic marzal veins so fitted to the ambifacient lunar rain shaft that side fumbling was effectively prevented. The winding was of the normal lotus o deltoid type placed in panendermic semi-boloid slots with a stator, every seventh winding being connected by a girdle spring on the up end of the gram meters. 
Moreover, when a fluorescent score motion is required, it can also be used in conjunction with a drawn reciprocation ding alarm to reduce sinusoidal deplenoration. That's pretty much it. Wow. Wow. Like, bravo. Like, uh, and you said you needed an earpiece to do this. You've, you've got it ingrained in your memory. Do you- it's, it's uh, you know, sometimes I, I hit a bump there and I go, oh, yeah, that's as far as I get. I mean, hey, that was that was incredible. I was looking. I mean, side fumbling, favorite line from that unilateral that, face yes, detractors. Yeah. The side fumbling is, <laughs> yes. is all important. Yes, that's uh, that's probably the most critical part of that. Um, hydrocoptic marzal veins was the other one that jumped out as uh-huh. I was rereading. It's funny to look at the transcript on the internet because mm-hmm. um, it not only does it sound ridiculous, it looks ridiculous when you're reading these words as well. My favorite <laughs> is the lunar wane shaft. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, as a call to action for the audience, you know, hit us up on Twitter or LinkedIn and let us know what your favorite line from the retro encabulator is. But uh, that that's the last time I'll talk to the audience until the end here. But how did you come up with the script? Was that like a team effort? Was it a bunch of people from Alan Bradley coming up with these or was it you or just one? No, or no, no. This is this is the thing that was written by this guy, this J.H. Quick guy back in 1944. And in okay. fact, the original okay. text is at least twice as long. I mean, oh, wow. they just somebody edited. Wow. Somebody decided to tighten it up at some point for this. Uh, I guess for Bud Haggard's presentation. I don't know. But um, once I started looking into it and found this thing, no, it's it's a long text. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Wow, I can't. So I can it. I can send you the full text if you want. <laughs> yeah. I'll also you... send you the G. I'll send you the GE drawings and uh, spec sheet too. I I think uh, I'll be putting plenty of those in the show notes. So if you've got them, I'd love to see them. I'm sure our audience would as well. Sure. Sure. We'll be right back, right after a word from our sponsor. If you're an equipment manufacturer, distributor, or dealer of industrial equipment, and you're looking to accelerate your profits through online sales, you're going to want to get to know this week's sponsor. Gen Alpha Technologies makes it easier for companies like you to do business through one of the most robust e-commerce platforms for the B2B industrial world. Let's be honest, a lot of manufacturers are still looking for ways to increase market share. They want to deliver a better, an exceptional level of customer service, and they are still looking to execute a digital transformation that's powered by e-commerce. Gen Alpha can be your partner that helps you accomplish all of these things. What I love about Gen Alpha is that unlike other e-commerce providers, the team over at Gen Alpha has been in your shoes. They've lived and breathed manufacturing and heavy industry. They ask the difficult and necessary questions because they know the questions to ask. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash genalpha to listen to our interview with their president and COO, Christina Harrington. There, you can find a direct link to their e-commerce readiness assessment, or you can check them out for yourself at genalpha.com. Gen Alpha understands firsthand the promise that manufacturers have to fulfill when helping their customers keep equipment running. That's why they're not only your software provider, but also your business partner. That's Gen Alpha Technologies. And now, back to today's episode. Mike, how do you keep a straight face when you do all this? <laughs> That's the job description. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, you, know, you know that thing that runs around on Facebook every once in a while, for those of you still on Facebook? Um, describe your job poorly. So the way I describe my job poorly is I pretend to know what I'm talking about. 
Mm. That's essentially that's that's that is the sum total of the job description for what I've done all these years is pretend well, you, to know what I talk about. You've been around the block. You've worked with a lot of big companies. I think yesterday you put it more succinctly. You're like, I know a little about a lot is, uh, is I know. I know. I know a, a tiny bit about a lot of things. That's pretty cool. And, and by, you know, by, by virtue of working for so many companies and doing these industrial training programs for so many years, uh, you, you find out things, some things that you just didn't want to know. For instance, I did one uh, uh, on swine feed additives, which was enlightening, <laughs> you know, and it put me off pork for a long time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Do you have, uh, you know, in addition to, to swine feed additives, any other cool applications, unique applications that come to mind, maybe more on the industrial side of things? Hmm. Well, you know, nothing really, nothing really sticks out in terms of the industrial side. But I mean, I, I, I as a result of being in all these videos, I did get to go to a lot of places like the bauxite mines of Arkansas, mm. um, the the uh, the the coal mines of West Virginia, the uh, uh, and also southwestern Pennsylvania for U.S. Steel, uh, the refineries for British Petroleum down in Louisiana. Um, so I, I got to see all these different industries. I also saw, you know, like. I saw a lot of uh, uh, cube farms in, in office buildings and call centers because we did a lot of call center training, too. So um, I just get to see how everybody works across America. Yep. Living living the how it's made lifestyle. That's uh, that's yep. pretty cool. A regular Mike Rowe. And you've got the first and, and name. Funny right. you should say that. I got a job because, because I reminded people of Mike Rowe. I got a job as the Lowe's uh, web, not website, the Lowe's uh online handyman. So if you went to YouTube or the Lowe's website, yeah. uh, I was the guy that taught you how to install paper patios, how to do, uh, you know, put in a lock, uh, how to do, uh, uh, we did 185 videos in four years. Wow. And they pretty much lived online for, well, there's still some out there. So, you know, how things live forever, despite their best efforts to uh, remove them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was a great gig and got to do a lot of travel. And, and, uh, and since I had been a plumber and carpenter, I actually knew what I was talking about in a sure. lot of those. So, yeah, that was a good gig. I was going to say, as I was saying that, I'm like, huh, you actually do remind me a lot of, of Mike Rowe, more so than I thought when I was uh, I was starting that. So that's pretty cool. Well, from Lowe's to refineries, I mean, you've, you've seen a lot. I do have a couple, I guess, more career-oriented advice questions for the audience. So you mentioned that you would audition for a bunch of things. I imagine as you audition, you know, you get turned down probably a lot, maybe, maybe more times than you get accepted to things. How do you just keep on powering through with that? How do you deal with, re with rejection? You mean? Yes. That was the much more uh, succinct way of asking that question. Uh, you, you, you do it by having a, an extraordinarily high opinion of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, the reality of it though, is you can't be everyone for everybody all the time. You know, um, I, I knew that, you know, I, what I did, I did well. And if they didn't pick me, well, they had some other reason for not picking me, but it wasn't because I was doing a lousy job. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example. Um, I, I actually own some of the first uh, industrial VHS recording equipment. And so for the, the agency here in Cleveland that I was working through, uh, they needed someone to uh, record their auditions because they had been using those big three quarter inch uh, tapes, you know, which were giant. They were the size of an encyclopedia. And so when we got to VHS, they didn't want to buy the equipment. So they hired me to come in and, and uh, record the audition. So I, I, I uh, was watching this audition and the producer uh, 
and director were there back when they actually used to show up in auditions. And a guy comes in and nails this audition. He's fantastic. He's terrific. I go, oh my God, that guy's got the job. He walks out and they look at each other and go, and they said, yeah, he's too good. He's, he's too slick. It's like, are you kidding me? This is the guy I, I, I aspire to be and he's not getting the job. Yeah. So again, it's not about, you know, how, you know, how good you are. They went with some other guy who was sort of like, you know, more down homey. It's just a, it's a subjective response thing. Sure. And, and, and my other question is you've got a, uh, you've got a great communication style. And I think everyone, everyone that's seen you knows that it's like, wow, you've got a very unique delivery, a very signature delivery. What, what advice do you have to manufacturing leaders listening to this around effective technical communication? You know what? Here's the funny thing. It, this this style is not valued anymore mm. at all, really. The the announcer style has pretty much gone out the window, except in terms of parody. Mm. Anymore, you know, and the thing that killed it was uh, uh, reality TV, first of all, because when people saw normal people on TV and now they're famous, they think, well, I could be famous too. That person's no better than me. I could be on TV. And then the industrial videos are going out and the people know that the guy, that's me, standing there is just an actor because they know he's not in the company. Mm -hmm. Therefore, why should I be listening to somebody who doesn't know what he's talking about, who's pretending to know what he's talking about, when I should be listening to somebody who knows what he's talking about? Mm -hmm. And so then they started just, uh, doing interviews with people in the company who knew what they were talking about and then stitching those together for the training videos. Yeah. And all the on-camera narrators basically were ushered out the door like dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. So, so the advice yeah. is know what you're talking about and be just like, be the best version of yourself you can be and, and don't try and be an announcer. I love it. I love it. Well, Hey, I think the announcing thing is uh, certainly a best version of yourself that, that you've made a career out of. So the proof is in the pudding. I there. just, I can't get out of it anymore. It has become, <laughs> it has become my, my, who I am. So, I mean, I'm not trying to talk like this. I just talk like this. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's fantastic. I, uh, as we get towards the end of our conversation, I have a, a few more questions for you. And this is a, a fun one that, uh, one of my old Alan Bradley counterparts had brought up. So my question is who is the silver man? Who put you up to this? So there's, <laughs> there's an individual at Rockwell that's been there for a long time named he works in Cleveland and he's like, you got to ask. Uh, him I, yes, I remember he was he was one of the people at the uh, the infamous uh, uh, pasta slinging incident. Oh, OK. That was the story you were not talking to name about. any names, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the God, the silver man. OK. All right. This was both a low point and high point of my career. Low point because it's it's. Well, you'll find out in a minute. Um, Silverman's, Silverman's was a small chain of uh, stores in the Cleveland area. I think they had seven or eight stores. And they were always located in areas that had good public transportation because the people who shopped there couldn't afford cars. And and they, it was sort of like a, a budget Kmart. And they just sold everything. It was like part hardware store, part uh, lingerie, part uh, some, some food, um, you name it. Uh, Silverman's had it. And so they decided that they wanted a, a spokesperson the silver man. And I auditioned and got the job uh, for good or bad. Um, and so, uh, and also, so then they created for me a silver man suit, which was a leisure suit. It was a three piece <laughs> leisure suit. I'm not making this up. Complete with a spread collar, the patch pockets, the top stitching, you know, and a separate shirt and jacket. And, and it was, it was hysterical. They didn't mean for it to be hysterical. They wanted it to be a nice silver suit. And then they did the silver makeup on my face, silver hair, silver on the hands, the whole nine yards. 
And I was uh, uh, infamous in Cleveland as being the silver man. And we would do 10 commercials in a day for all... And, and they would just set up an end cap and we would do a commercial here while they're setting up the other end cap, move the camera over, do that commercial, move the camera back. So, you know, so it was a good paying job. Yeah. But, uh, but yes, people, and people did recognize me on the street as the silver man back then. And I, I had a hard time living that one down for, oh, a good 20 years actually. And only, by the way, only one video, I only know of one video of it that exists and it is on the internet, and it's very hard to find. I challenge your listeners to find the Silverman video that is out there somewhere, All right. not on YouTube. All right. That's a great call to action for the audience there. Try to track down the Cleveland Silverman video. All I can think of right now, based on your description, is like the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz wearing a leisure suit right now. Like that, only not as classy. <laughs> Well said, Mike. Um, you know, I've only got a few more questions for you as, as we wrap things up. And and this one's a really open-ended one. Is there something you wish I would have asked you that, that I haven't brought up hmm. yet? Well, your audience isn't really interested in doing what I do. They're, they're, they're manufacturing oriented. So um, I probably don't have any good advice for them uh, <laughs> uh, or questions you would want that I wish you would ask me. What's next for Mike Crabb? Yes, that's a, that's a great one. I do want to hear what's next for you. Uh, basically, to, to get out of the on-camera business entirely, to live up my life in the uh, hidden recesses of my uh, fortress of verisimilitude here and just do voiceovers and uh, talk into a can. That's that's pretty much all I want to do. Yeah, and, and we have a lot of people. You know, you said your your job is, you know, going the way of the buffalo in a lot of, a lot of ways, but I know people are still looking for voice work particularly in this industry, what's the best way to connect with you if people are looking to hire you for voiceover work? Just Mike Craft at WideOpenWest.com. That's the best way. Because my website has, has uh, not been updated in 20 years. So um, I'm call me lazy. Uh, yeah, Mike Craft at WideOpenWest.com. I do a lot of... Uh, um, Voiceovers for uh, for basically web-based training for NASA, Safety Center, Subaru, Komatsu, uh, Volkswagen, Audi. They just send me the scripts. I send them the files. Everyone's happy. Well, if you're an industrial company out there, manufacturing company that's looking for uh, the individual of retro and cabulator fame, you know where to find him. A big question I have for you before things wrap up is you mentioned you're going to be doing primarily voiceover work, but... I'm sure the audience is wondering, is there ever any hope of a retro encabulator reprise, retro encabulator 2.0 video out there? Well, you know, it, it's funny you should ask. I have a good friend who's a cameraman and a producer director in Detroit who has for years wanted to do this. And he's very good at, you know, doing animations and making things look like they were shot in a different era. He's got great filters and does uh, uh, great renderings. And I have already, I wrote the scripts years ago and I've just sort of been sitting on them and he keeps bugging me. But so there is the possibility that there will be some kind of encabulator video in the future if he convinces me to actually do it. But it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Well, fingers crossed for everyone listening that makes it to this like 25, 30 minute mark here. If you want another video, you know, let us know on LinkedIn. Let's uh, maybe maybe the masses will speak and help make it happen. But that would be cool to see another one come up as we wrap things up. You know, people know where to connect with you now. One thing I did look up as we were talking was the uh, retro encabulator IPA. And I think you're going to appreciate the description here. So I'm going to 
I'm going to read what this beer is described at. It's brewed in collaboration with the engineers and electricians at Great Lakes Brewing. The Retro Encabulator IPA uses a modial interaction of Simcoe, Centennial, Cascade, Citra, and Mosaic hops for an enhanced magneto reluctance and capacitive <laughs> directance. So directance, took, yes. Yeah, yeah. You probably could have done that better, but uh, they said, in other words, it's got grapefruit, tangerine, and tropical fruit notes. So they continue to immortalize the retro encabulator IPA over at Great Lakes Brewing. <laughs> All right. Well, again, I'm going to try and track that down, but I'm really surprised someone hasn't brought that to my attention before you did. Well, hey, I'm glad you got one good takeaway from this interview as well, because I certainly uh, I had a lot of fun, got some good takeaways myself, and I'm sure our audience is really going to enjoy this one. So this was a good time. Yes, thanks for inviting me. And, and wait, and and uh, hello to any of my old friends from Alan Bradley Rockwell Automation who uh, who hopefully remember me fondly. I do you. Actually, actually, my tagline on this show is stay innovative, stay thirsty. Can you give the audience a stay innovative, stay thirsty to sign us out? Stay innovative. Stay thirsty. Love that. Hey, hey, thanks for listening. And a big thanks to Mike Kraft for being a great sport and jumping on today's show. Man, this episode was more of a history lesson than I thought. A lot of good throwback references from E-Bombs World to VHS. I'm sure plenty of you remember those things, but if you want to access anything we talked about on today's show, head over to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 66. I cannot stress how important that is because there's some great gems over there, including a precursor video to the Retro Encabulator featuring Mike Kraft, where he was doing a spoof on the Turbo Encabulator. So plenty of good stuff over there. I couldn't find the Silverman video, though, that he was saying was still out there. So if you find that, definitely tag me on Twitter at MFG Happy Hour. Also, if you want to hire Mike for voice talent, like he said, he's still actively doing this, email him at MikeCraft, with a K, at WideOpenWest.com. Again, that's MikeCraft at WideOpenWest.com if your company has voice talent needs. Before I forget, it would be wrong not to go back to Mike's comments about a food fight at a Rockwell event many, many, many years ago. I should say that as this episode is coming out in October 2021, Rockwell Automation's Automation Fair is coming up in November. You can register for that for free. I can pretty well guarantee that times have changed, so there will be no food fight at that event, but it is a great opportunity to learn about all the cool things taking place in the manufacturing and automation world. So definitely look up Automation Fair, whether you're hearing this episode now or later. That's every November in different parts of the United States. So again, Rockwell Automation, Automation Fair. Oh, and disclaimer, this show is not officially endorsed by Rockwell Automation. If you've made it this far in the episode, please let me know what you thought about this one. You can do that in two ways. I mentioned you can tweet me over on Twitter, MFG Happy Hour, that is our handle, or maybe more preferably, leave us a five-star rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. It takes you straight to the Apple Podcasts platform, whether you're on your desktop or you're on your iPhone. And like I always say, these reviews don't need to be long. They can just be as short as a couple sentences. Again, manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. 
Before we wrap up, I want to thank our sponsor for today's show, Gen Alpha. Gen Alpha is the ultimate e-commerce solution for equipment manufacturers, for dealers, for distributors in the industrial space. If you're looking for a ways to make it easier for your customers to find and order the right part, honestly, if you just want to make it easier for their, your customers to do business with you, definitely look at Gen Alpha. You can learn more about them by going back to episode 34 where we interview their COO, Christina Harrington. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 34, or you can learn more by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash Gen Alpha. Thanks again, Gen Alpha, for sponsoring today's show. And with that, Mike already gave us a perfect outro, so I can't top that. We'll catch you back here next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour, powered by the Industrial Network.